0: Good day, my friends, and welcome to June 19th. We're on day 169 of Bible in a Year with Bill. Today, we're going to continue in 2 Kings chapters 5 to 7, and then we're going to read Psalm 87. So let's get right into it. The book of 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman was general of the army under the king of Aram. He was important to his master who held him in the highest esteem because it was by him that God had given victory to Aram, a truly great man but afflicted with a grievous skin disease. It so happened that Aram, on one of its raiding expeditions against Israel, captured a young girl who who became a maid to Naaman's wife. One day she said to her mistress, Oh, if only my master could meet the prophet of Samaria, he would be healed of his skin disease. Naaman went straight to his master and reported what the girl from Israel had said. Well, then go, said the king of Aram, and I'll send a letter of introduction to the king of Israel. So he went off, taking with him about 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothes. Naaman delivered the letter to the king of Israel. The letter read, When you get this letter, you'll know that I've personally sent my servant Naaman to you. Heal him of his skin disease. When the king of Israel read the letter, he was terribly upset, ripping his robe to pieces. He said, Am I a god with the power to bring death or life, that I get orders to heal this man from his disease? What's going on here? That king's trying to pick a fight, that's what. "'Elisha, the man of God, heard what had happened, "'that the king of Israel was so distressed "'that he'd ripped his robe to shreds. "'He sent word to the king, "'Why are you so upset, ripping your robe like this? "'Send him to me so he'll learn "'that there's a prophet in Israel.' "'So Naaman with his horses and chariots "'arrived in style and stopped at Elisha's door. "'Elisha sent out a servant to meet him with this message, "'Go to the river Jordan and immerse yourself seven times.' your skin will be healed and you'll be as good as new. Naaman lost his temper. He turned on his heel saying, I thought he'd personally come out and meet me. Call on the name of God, wave his hand over the diseased spot and get rid of the disease. The Damascus rivers, Abana and Farpar are cleaner by far than any of the rivers in Israel. Why not bathe in them? I'd at least get clean. He stomped off, mad as a hornet. But his servants caught up with him and said, Father, if the prophet had asked you to do something hard and heroic, wouldn't you have done it? So why not this simple wash and be clean? So he did it. He went down and immersed himself in the Jordan seven times, following the orders of the holy man. His skin was healed. It was like the skin of a little baby. He was as good as new. He then went back to the holy man. He and his entourage stood before him and said, I now know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is no God anywhere on earth other than the God of Israel. In gratitude, let me give you a gift. As God lives, Elisha replied, the God whom I serve, I'll take nothing from you. Naaman tried his best to get him to take something, but he wouldn't do it. If you won't take anything, said Naaman, let me ask you for something. Give me a load of dirt, as much as a team of donkeys can carry, because I'm never again going to worship any god other than God. But there's one thing for which I need God's pardon. When my master, leaning on my arm, enters the shrine of Rimon and worships there, and I'm with him there, worshiping Rimon, may you see to it that God forgive me for this. Elisha said, everything will be all right go in peace. But he hadn't gone far when Gehazi, servant to Elisha, the holy man, said to himself, my master has let this Aramean Naaman slip through his fingers without so much as a thank you. By the living God, I'm going after him to get something or other from him. And Gehazi took off after Naaman. Naaman saw him running after him and jumped down from his chariot to greet him. Is something wrong? Nothing's wrong, but something's come up. My master sent me to tell you, two young men just showed up from the hill country of Ephraim, brothers from the guild of the prophets. Supply their needs with a gift of 75 pounds of silver and a couple sets of clothes. Naaman said, of course, how about 150 pounds? Naaman insisted. He tied up the money in two sacks and gave him the two sets of clothes. He even gave him two servants to carry the gifts back with them. When they got to the fort on the hill, Gehazi took the gifts from the servants, stored them inside, then sent the servants back. He returned and stood before his master. Elisha said, so what have you been up to, Gehazi? Nothing much, he said. Elisha said, didn't you know I was with you in spirit when that man stepped down from his chariot to greet you? Tell me, is this a time to look after yourself, lining your pockets with gifts? Naaman's skin disease will now infect you and your family with no relief in sight. Gehazi walked away, his skin flaky and white like snow. Second Kings chapter 6 One day the guild of prophets came to Elisha and said, You can see that this place where we're living under your leadership is getting cramped. We have no elbow room. Give us permission to go down to the Jordan, where each of us will get a log. We'll build a roomier place. Elisha said, go ahead. One of them then said, please, come along with us. He said, certainly. He went with them. They came to the Jordan and started chopping down trees. As one of them was felling a timber, his axe head flew off and sank in the river. Oh no, master, he cried out, and it was borrowed. The holy man said, where did it sink? The man showed him the place. He cut off a branch and tossed it at the spot. The axe head floated up. Grab it, he said. The man reached out and took it. One time when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, after consulting with his officers, he said, at such and such a place, I want an ambush set. The holy man sent a message to the king of Israel. Watch out when you're passing this place because Aram has set an ambush there. So the king of Israel sent word concerning the place of which the holy man had warned him. This kind of thing happened all the time. The king of Aram was furious over all this. He called his officers together and said, "'Tell me, who is leaking information to the king of Israel? "'Who is the spy in our ranks?' But one of his men said, no, my master, dear king, it's not any of us. It's Elisha, the prophet in Israel. He tells the king of Israel, everything you say, even what you whisper in your bedroom. The king said, go and find out where he is. I'll send someone and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. Then he dispatched horses and chariots, an impressive fighting force. They came by night and surrounded the city. Early in the morning, a servant of the holy man got up and went out. Surprise! Horses and chariots surrounded the city. The young man exclaimed, Oh, master, what shall we do? He said, Don't worry about it. There are more on our side than on their side. Then Elisha prayed, Oh, God, open his eyes and let him see. The eyes of the young man were opened, and he saw a wonder, the whole mountainside full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. When the Arameans attacked, Elisha prayed to God, Strike these people blind. And God struck them blind, just as Elisha said. Then Elisha called up to them, Not that way, not this city. Follow me, and I'll lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them into Samaria. As they entered the city, Elisha prayed, O God, open their eyes so they can see where they are. God opened their eyes. They looked around. They were trapped in Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, Father, shall I massacre the lot? Not on your life, said Elisha. You didn't lift a hand to capture them, and now you're going to kill them? No, sir. Make a feast for them and send them back to their master. So he prepared a huge feast for them. After they ate and drank their fill, he dismissed them. Then they returned home to their master. The raiding bands of Aram didn't bother Israel anymore. At a later time, this, Ben Hadad, king of Aram, pulled together his troops and launched a siege in Samaria. This brought on a terrible famine, so bad that food prices soared astronomically. Eighty shekels for a donkey's head, five shekels for a bowl of field greens. One day the king of Israel was walking along the city wall. A woman cried out, Help, your majesty! He answered, If God won't help you, where on earth can I go for help? To the granary? To the dairy? The king continued, tell me your story. She said, this woman came to me and said, give up your son and we'll have him for today's supper. Tomorrow we'll eat my son. So he cooked my son and ate him. The next day I told her, your turn, bring your son so we can have him for supper. But she had hidden her son away. When the king heard the woman's story, he ripped apart his robe. Since he was walking on the city wall, everyone saw that next to his skin, he was wearing coarse burlap. And he called out, God, do his worst to me and more if Elisha, son of Shaphat, still has a head on his shoulders at this day's end. Elisha was sitting at home, the elders sitting with him. The king had already dispatched an executioner, but before the man arrived, Elisha spoke to the elders. Do you know that this murderer has just now sent a man to take off my head? Look, when the executioner arrives, shut the door and lock it don't I even now hear the footsteps of his master behind him while he was giving his instructions the king showed up accusing this trouble is directly from god and what's next i'm fed up with god second kings chapter 7 elisha said listen god's word the famine's over This time tomorrow food will be plentiful, a handful of meal for a shekel, two handfuls of grain for a shekel. The market at the city gate will be buzzing. The attendant on whom the king leaned for support said to the holy man, you expect us to believe that? Trap doors opening in the sky and food tumbling out? You'll watch it with your own eyes, he said, but you will not eat so much as a mouthful. It happened that four lepers were sitting just outside the city gate. They said to one another, what are we doing sitting here at death's door? If we enter the famine-struck city, we'll die. If we stay here, we'll die. So let's take our chances in the camp of Aram and throw ourselves on their mercy. If they receive us, we'll live. If they kill us, we'll die. We've got nothing to lose. So after the sun went down, they got up and went to the camp of Aram. When they got to the edge of the camp, surprise, not a man in the camp. The master had made the army of Aram hear the sound of horses and a mighty army on the march. They told one another, the king of Israel hired the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to attack us. Panicked, they ran for their lives through the darkness, abandoning tents, horses, donkeys, the whole camp just as it was, running for dear life. These four lepers entered the camp and went into a tent. First they ate and drank. Then they grabbed silver, gold, and clothing and went off and hid it and hid it. They came back, entered another tent and looted it, again hiding their plunder. Finally, they said to one another, we shouldn't be doing this. This is a day of good news and we're making it into a private party. If we wait around until morning, we'll get caught and punished. Come on, let's go tell the news to the king's palace. So they went and called out at the city gate, telling what had happened. We went to the camp of Aram and surprise, the place was deserted. Not a soul, not a sound. Horses and donkeys left, tethered and tents abandoned just as they were. The gatekeepers got the word to the royal palace, giving them the whole story. Roused in the middle of the night, the king told his servants, let me tell you what Aram has done. They knew that we were starving, so they left camp and have hidden the field, thinking when they come out of the city, we'll capture them alive and take the city. One of his advisors answered, let some men go and take five of the horses left behind. The worst that can happen is no worse than what could happen to the whole city. Let's send them and find out what's happened. They took two chariots with horses. The king sent them after the army of Aram with the orders, scout them out, find out what happened. They went after them all the way to the Jordan. The whole way was strewn with clothes and equipment that Aram had dumped in their panicked flight. The scouts came back and reported to the king. The people then looted the camp of Aram. Food prices dropped overnight. A handful of meal for a shekel, two handfuls of grain for a shekel, God's word to the letter. The king ordered his attendant, the one he leaned on for support, to be in charge of the city gate. The people turned into a mob pouring through the gate, trampling him to death. It was exactly what the holy man had said when the king had come to see him. Every word of the holy man to the king, a handful of meal for a shekel, two handfuls of grain for a shekel, this time tomorrow in the gate of Samaria. With the attendant's sarcastic reply to the holy man, You expect us to believe that? Trap doors opening in the sky and food tumbling out? Followed by the response, You'll watch it with your own eyes, but you won't eat so much as a mouthful. Proved true. The final stroke came when the people trampled the man to death at the city gate. Psalm, chapter 87. This is a Korah psalm. He founded Zion on the holy mountain. And oh, how God loves his home. Loves it far better than all the homes of Jacob put together. God's hometown. Oh, everyone there is talking about you. I name them off, those among whom I'm famous. Egypt and Babylon, also Philistia. Even Tyre, along with Cush. Words getting around, they point them out, this one was born again here. The words getting out on Zion, men and women right and left get born again in her. God registers their names in his book, this one, this one, and this one, born again right here. Singers and dancers give credit to Zion, all my springs are in you. So, Father God, today, I pray that you would bless this reading. Thank you, Lord, for your word, and thank you for the ease that we have in getting a hold of your word and spreading your word. You know, today, as I was driving um, home, I spent the last couple days about five hours south of where I live. As I was driving home, I was listening to some podcasts, Um some preachers, and you know, it, it made me realize how blessed I am to be able to read this word. And I mean, the ability that I have to read, so many people in the world don't even have the ability to read. I'm so incredibly blessed to live where I live, and so incredibly blessed to be able to record reading the word of God and sending it out. You know, that in itself is, is a miracle. I mean, it's it's like Elisha throwing the branch in the water and the axe head floated to the top. It's a miracle. Whoever heard of an axe head floating? Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the blessings that you give us, for the technology that we have, that your word can get across the world in a matter of moments. And for those of you who are listening, I pray that this blesses you. I pray that as we listen to the message by Eugene Peterson this year, that it would bless you, that it would encourage you to get into the word, to get to know these stories, to get the word into you. Thank you for spending your time with me here today. And I pray that you would be blessed. I'll see you tomorrow. Take care now.